Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. When I think of breakups I've had in my life, there were really two significant ones. I mean, all breakups are not pleasant. I mean, the obvious breakup that was probably the hardest in my life, and I've talked about this on other shows, was my divorce. But what was a really significant relationship and then breakup for me was my first relationship after divorce. Um, I always say it's like almost like a rites of passage to have a transitional romance of some sort because I feel like it teaches you to get your confidence back, to get your mojo on, you know, to feel like a dateable person again. And that's exactly what this guy did for me. So, of course, he was six years younger. He was a musician. He made me feel great. We would go out. We would have so much fun together. We'd go listen to music and dance, and he would tell me how beautiful I was and all that yummy stuff. And it was intoxicating until we kind of hit the wall and we did this dance for like two years and we realized after looking at each other and loving each other very much that we were in such different places in our life i mean he was really looking for a girl that he could have kids with and settle down with and have that whole white picket fence story and i had left that story behind me (laughs) so i closed the door to that chapter and i was looking for a new chapter and there was no way i felt like i could get married at that point in my life Um, and i realized too that that romance happened really much you know it was pretty quick right after my divorce and i haven't really had time to heal And so we broke up, and you know, as the story goes, and we've all experienced some sort of loss or breakup before, it was so hard. I remember just, it felt like I was back in high school or some kind of college student trying to get through this thing. And I don't know about you all, but I almost felt like I was psycho woman. I did all these things where I was checking my phone constantly, hoping to have that ding, that text from him. And we had tried to not have contact for three weeks. And then he shows up on my doorstep with a bottle of wine. And then we did that dance all over again. Hopefully this sounds familiar. It's just not me. But um, I realized, and with all, you know, friends and other people around me, they said, Kim, you got to go cold turkey. You can't have contact with him. It was the hardest thing I think I I did. And what I realized about myself, it wasn't just him that was hard to break from. It was the idea of the relationship. I missed that constant contact. I missed the texts. I missed reviewing my day with somebody and having almost a purpose with somebody again. But I knew it wasn't healthy and I knew it wasn't right for me. So we did. We finally, you know, kind of broke that pattern and we didn't, you know, contact one another, and we were eventually able to move on. And I'm happy to say we are dear, dear friends today, but there had to be a long period of time of no contact in order to get to that place of friendship because it was so raw in the beginning. And I love this topic because it relates to what I, you know, actually work with a lot of my clients uh, with and what I discovered about myself is that I had to learn how to date myself again. I had to learn 
What is it that I liked separate from a man? I had to be by myself for a very long time and figure out who I was in order to attract something different and, and break some patterns in my life. And anyway, that's why I'm super excited to bring a guest on today to talk about breakups. And she is near and dear to me, but let me read her fantastic bio just because it's so fabulous and as well as her being such a fabulous gal. Her name is Rachel D'Alto and she is a relationship expert coach and hypnotherapist. And she is known for her role on Lifetime's hit show, Married at First Sight. Some of you might have seen that. And Rachel believes that relationships are the foundation of everything. And it's essential to learn to navigate those relationships with great communication, a sense of perspective, and self-awareness. And in addition to regular appearances, you will see her all over the place, actually. She's been on the Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, Access Hollywood, the Steve Harvey Show, Fox News, and now here at the Charisma Quotient. I'm so honored. But more importantly, she is my friend. I would like to introduce to you, Rachel. Rachel, how are you? Hey. Hi, friend. <laughs> Hi, friend. <laughs> well, you know what I love doing about these podcasts is that I feel like you and I have had such awesome telephone conversations that should have been a podcast, totally. right? And so now we get to air it <laughs> yes. and, and showcase to yes, the world. Yes. I'll try not to curse as much as I do in our phone conversations. You can if you want to. Oh my God, I don't think I've had That's a guest okay. yet that curses, but that is so fine with me, by the way. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I actually cursed in a Facebook post the other day and I had people saying, this is a fake profile. And I'm like, really? Because clearly oh. you've had zero conversations with me. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I was funny. like, who do you think I am? I think this, this persona that they think of me is, is a little off. So <laughs> Right. No, but now everybody can hear that you're real. Like you're totally, and yes. not just real, but, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, the most real, authentic person I know. I think that's why I totally Aww. clicked with you. Seriously, I... I mean, yeah, okay, so, so many people <laughs> I know, <laughs> right. There's, and I, you know, I never asked you this, but I'm actually a real blonde. Rachel's blonde too. Are you real too? Oh, no, no, oh, absolutely not. I was going to say, <laughs> actually, could that be? <laughs> no, you know what? I'm actually a brunette, but I started going gray, not like full gray, but I started getting a lot of grays when I was like 19. And ever since then, I was like, screw it. We are bleaching this for the rest of my life. Oh my God. So, 19. Nope. Wow. 19. 19. Oh, and my, my grandmother God. went all white at 17. So it runs in the family. I mean, I definitely, it's not a lot gray, but I think if I didn't go blonde, <laughs> I would be dealing with a lot of brown dye. So yeah. I'd rather be <laughs> I just started getting my first grays in the corner, but oh. I feel like it's blending in. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Well, with blonde, you can blend it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah, telling yeah. you. Totally. <laughs> I'm, I was I'm trying to fake it. I was trying to think back when we met. I think we met at the matchmaking conference, right? And this was years ago. We both God, were speaking. Yeah. On, there was this um, conference on a boat. That was really cool, by the way. And we that spoke. That was cool. I remember... Seriously, and I'm not just saying this, you of all the people that I heard speak, I jived with the most because a lot of the things that you were talking about really resonated with me and the things that I teach as well. Like we, we have a very similar Aww, philosophy. We do. Yeah. We do. So I was really excited to have you on to talk about just all this stuff. But I mean, 
more importantly, you have a really interesting story. I, I would love for you to share, like, how did you get to where you are right now? Oh my God. It's, it's a bizarre one. Um, I used to be a lawyer way back in the day. I mean, I we're going on that. 10 years at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Um, and I started a dating company and it was a product that we launched in 2008, started development, launched in 2010. And, um, the product's not around anymore, but it led me to media, which was kind of like my first foray into this whole space. And so I did segments about this, this dating company. And then the TV people were like, Hey, can you come back and give us your opinions? And I was like, Oh, sure. I have lots of those. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really understand this whole industry. I didn't really understand that there was a love industry. I didn't know what matchmakers, I mean, I, I knew what they were in like Fiddler on the Roof, but like not in real life. And, you know, I didn't know what a coach was. So uh, when I started doing these segments, I would have viewers, the audience would contact me and, you know, find me through my website, you know, from the company and um, ask me for coaching. And I, I honestly, like my idea of coaching was soccer and baseball. <laughs> like I didn't know what that meant. So um <laughs> I, of course, you know, immediately went out and took a, you know, did a certification program and became a coach. And that's kind of like how I ended up here and added the hypnotherapy down the road. That's been about five years. Um, And just, I like to incorporate it all together. I I like to consider myself more of like a love healer than, um, Mm. you know, any specific, you know, coach or, you know, whatever title we like to give ourselves expert, you know, that's a media title. I I don't think anyone's really an expert in everything. I think there's some people that have more knowledge than others. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, so that's, that's really how I got here. It's, It's been a very interesting, windy road of, I, you know, I think doors just open and I just kept walking through them. Yeah, but that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, I love what you said that you you just kind of, you know, everybody's journey kind of leads you to the next thing, you know, and I feel like the door is open. You can either go through it or you can kind of go sideways and go to another road. But the other thing, um, and I know this about you, you, we both share something that's similar is your personal journey. And I also feel besides the opportunities that you got also the, our personal journey shape us in the way that we can help people. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Cause yeah. I know yeah. it hasn't I mean, been easy, <laughs> right? No, I mean, I was divorced. I've been divorced for five years and it's so funny cause people ask me all the time. They're like, how can you be a relationship expert when you're divorced or how can you teach people about blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how better, you know, cause I know a lot of people and not to like call people out specifically, but in this industry, there's a lot of people that rest their laurels on their relationships. And then when their relationships break up, they're like, wait a second, I have no expertise anymore because I've based it all on this relationship that's temporary. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I have found that my relationships and the endings specific to today have taught me so much more about how to be good in relationships, how to be good with myself than any long-term, long-lasting love has. Um, you know, I think that that our endings are what shape us. So, so I, I, I think my divorce taught me an immense amount. He was probably my greatest teacher, my ex-husband. Um, he continues to teach me many lessons <laughs> as we yeah. co-parent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and so. that's a whole other thing, layer too when you're yeah. a parent oh, on top of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, let's talk about that because I do want to know your secret sauce. Like, and I'm sure we've shared some of those things, you know, together on our journey, but what helped you 
you know, and then now you help others in relationships with, you know, kind of moving on and what were some of the gifts that you learned, you know, out of all these relationships? Yeah, well, it was interesting. So I had, you know, my big breakup, which is obviously my divorce, although I have to say, our marriage was over long before I left, which happens quite often. And I think it also makes a huge difference in how people uh, move on past a divorce is how long they've been unhappy or how long they've kind of tapped out of the marriage. Um, so we were hanging on by a thread for quite some time and, you know, tried therapy and all these other interventions of, uh, you know, trying to preserve what was left and it was already gone. So mm-hmm. by the time I left that, I was kind of like, all right, you know, I've already processed. I was in therapy. I highly suggest therapy and coaches and anything that allows you kind of that venting point. Um, but you know, since that I've had several serious relationships, three, one that you've met. (laughs) (laughs) So I had kind of like three very interesting, very different, um, intense relationships since I've been divorced for the past five years. And, you know, they've all ended for various reasons and they've all had a varying degree of, of impact on me, you know, in terms of my emotional state. And the one thing that's consistent with them is like, that I've learned is you, you have to be compassionate with yourself. And I think that's something that was really hard for me is like, I'm a type A personality when it comes to kind of getting things done. And for me, I was like, I need to be over this. Why do I still care? You know, you kind of just want to rip that side of you out that, that cares. But the thing that I've learned is like, you have to give yourself the compassion that you would give to a friend in this situation um, and take the time that you need. Like every, every ending has its own kind of prescription in terms of how long it takes you to process it. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you have to be cognizant of that and not try to just ignore it, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was a huge thing for me. So That's awesome. Well, the one, so in order to be compassionate with yourself, like what are some things besides time, right? Time is the natural healer, but what can you do in the meantime? Because I think people say that all the time and it's a good tip, but like, I don't know necessarily if people know what that means. Like what were some examples? Yeah. A a good time to start dating again or a good timeline. How to to be compassionate with yourself. Like how can you do that? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> like in my own mind, I was like, what happened after that one? Um, we went down memory lane in about two minutes in my head. Uh, you know, <laughs> squirrel. Um, you know, I think the thing with compassion, it's like you, it's, it's redirecting your thoughts. For me, it's like, because my thought pattern, I'm very aware of it. And I think that, you know, the, the best gift that we can give ourselves is to not have total control over our thoughts, which would be lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least have a self-awareness of it and have an awareness of the things that you tell yourself. So for me, compassion was redirecting when I'm saying like, I'm in, I'm doing this wrong, or mm-hmm. I should be over this, or, you know, I shouldn't feel hurt anymore, or I shouldn't feel sad anymore. It's like, no, 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 no. Redirecting those thoughts to say, I'm allowed, I'm allowed to feel this, like giving yourself permission, permission. I think is the biggest compassion, mm-hmm. you know, so that was a huge I think that's kind of like my biggest thing. And also, you know, again, it it comes back to that self-awareness, like know when you're doing something that's forcing yourself to a place that you don't want to be in right there. Um, You know, forcing yourself onto dates, forcing yourself onto apps, whatever it is. Um, You know, I think it's, it's just being aware of 
of what you want to be doing versus what you think you should. And I hate should, you know, we should ourselves to death. (laughs) Right. Should is a bad word sometimes. Um, Terrible. (laughs) It's a dirty (laughs) word. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point too. And I, I think you're leading into another tip that I know was helpful for me and I teach a lot of people. And that is just get back out there. Right. And even if it's not, exactly like dating formally. It's just maybe being social, getting on the apps, you know, getting reengaged with the male world, just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, having that confidence to, to build yourself up again in that way, not to necessarily dive right into another relationship, but yeah, just getting out there because that's easier said than done. I mean, I think a lot of people say that, but you could do it in small ways. Just like you said, maybe it's on an app. Maybe it's going out for a drink with your friends, that kind of thing. Totally. Totally. And I think, you know, surrounding yourself with people is the best idea with people that lift you up. Obviously you want people Mm. who are supportive of you, who have your best interest in mind, you know, don't call the friend that's always negative. Like you want to really be cognizant about who you're choosing to spend time with when you go out with friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And not the person that's going to be like a sad sap and be like, woe is me with you. You know, you don't, you want someone who's going to be fun and lift you up. But yeah, and it's interesting. So I spent some time with Helen Fisher recently and I freaking love her. Mm. Um, and she's an anthropologist who studied the brain and she did a study on um, the dopamine centers of your brain after, you know, when you're in love versus after a breakup and how, you know, how quickly you can refill those dopamine centers just by putting yourself back out there by having the possibility of new love. And she says, get out there as soon as possible to refill that dopamine center because otherwise we feel like death, you know, it's like, Oh my God, there was a death. And, and it's interesting because I, I question myself sometimes even, I just went through a breakup two weeks ago. I know. <laughs> Within, yeah. No, I mean, I'm totally open with it. I mean, it's still, obviously I, I, in spite of everything that happened, uh, there was some, cheating that happens uh, in a very bizarre way. It's a long story that doesn't need to go uh, into details, but I had, you know, I had this situation with long distance and um, found out that he had gone outside the relationship with an ex one time and it just ended it for me. And in the process, like I was, you know, I felt my anger. I felt my sadness. It passed really quickly. I'm not sure why. And for me, I feel like certain times, like when you vibe at a certain frequency, like things just kind of shut off you a lot faster. Um, (laughs) Because I really did feel I was very aware. And I was like, are you sure? Like, am I still in shock? I was very aware of my feelings. But I I put my Bumble profile back up within 24 hours. (laughs) And I'm going on a third date this weekend. Oh my God. Good for you. Yeah. No, but I love it. So get back out there. It is. And what's cool about the, um, dopamine thing and that there's like almost like scientific proof that, you know, you can rebuild things just internally too, is that it, it takes some of that guilt out of it because I think a lot of people feel guilty getting back out there and say, Oh, I should be home crying on my pillow for 24 hours, wallowing in sorrow. And yes, I think that's important. Like everybody should cry. I don't think just going out and numbing out is good either, either extreme. It's about balance, but it is good to feel good and not have guilt around that. And yeah, and you do your own pace. Yes. 
Yes. You do what feels good. I, and mm-hmm. to the numbing point, I actually made a point after we broke up to stop drinking. Um, and I literally have had zero alcohol because I want to be very cognizant of my feelings. Like I was almost concerned that it was too easy for me um, mm. because of the intensity of the relationship and the feelings that were there. And, and But I'm also, I know myself and like once certain thresholds are crossed and certain values are compromised, it really does kind of like cut off that for me. Um, but yeah, I think not numbing is super important. So not turning to drugs or alcohol um, to numb that pain, uh, feel the pain, because the only way that you're going to go through it is to feel through it at the same time, like don't wallow in it, you know, and I think that's where people get kind of confused. They're like, wait a second, I'm supposed to feel the pain, but I'm not supposed to feel it for too long. What's too long, you know, and it gets a little confusing. So true. And it's not black and white. Like there's no set time frame to heal. Like it's different for everybody. I think they say that it takes half the time of a relationship to truly get to that point of neutrality where you're not feeling that anymore. Not to say that you can't date again or get back out there, but that, you know, just be gentle on yourself. So if you've had a really long relationship, it's going to take a while. And I know that from my journey and I know you have too. So that's really good. And you brought up something that's really, um, interesting, and I think I kind of mentioned it in my story in the beginning, is that when you experience a breakup or a loss, it kicks up all the previous losses that you've had in your life. And so there's this kind of double grieving that goes on, and some is more intense than others. So also recognizing that, you know, for yourself. Yeah. You're moving on. And patterns from your whole life, you know, is this bringing up abandonment issues? Is it bringing up, you know, worthiness issues? Like what, what bigger things is it triggering for you, you know, and, and, and understand those. I think that the more recognition you can give to like, wow, you know, this ended and this is making me feel like X, Y, Z. Um, I think that a lot of times we, we don't pay attention to that and we don't give that the due that it, that it deserves. So, so um, and I think yeah. that's where it's like so good one, you know, after breakup to surround yourself with friends and people who are who are going to validate you and sympathize with you. But also like that's when I think coaches and therapists are so important because it will help you to move through it. Cause I think when people get stuck, it's cause they're trying to do it on their own and it's so not necessary. I know. <laughs> you know even it's, if it's like uh, temporary support. Yes. Yes. All of that is really important. And that's why too, like, I love, you know, the show that you're on Married at First Sight. It's such a interesting dynamic and twist and things that you help people with. Do you have any like interesting stories about people who had broke up and got back from the show? Um, not anyone that's broken up and gotten back together. There's definitely been, um, you know, season five is still airing. So I can't tell you anything about that or they chop off like a hand for, for each secret. Um, and I only have two. So, but, uh, you know, season four, it's, it's interesting, you know, all the couples have now divorced somewhere together for uh, a year and a half. Um, two of them actually were, they stayed together past the show airing for, for quite some time, but did eventually divorce. And, um, it's interesting to see the difference between the two. One couple, Tom and Lily, are now best friends and they get along great. They still, still spend time together. Um, but I think, you know, what you said before was so important. There has to be a cutoff at the end. And I'm not sure that they did that, you know, where there's like a no contact, um, where you separate yourself from that person. Um, because I think, 
you know, you, the lines get blurred. It's kind of hard to move forward or at least to separate them into the friend position um, when you haven't done that. And then the other couple has been a little tenuous. Um, they got divorced and now Nick is Nick and Sonia. Nick is now uh, expecting twins with a new girlfriend, which can oh. be heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, for someone, even if it's your decision to end the relationship. So there's like all these dynamics, but this all happened after the show stopped airing. Um, but huh. it's, uh, it's definitely been interesting to, to observe, you know, and, and it's, there's so many emotions. Like I said, even in a breakup, that's your choice. That's something that's so important to recognize too, is like, you will still feel, you know, for, for someone that you've chosen to leave when they mm-hmm. move on. There's, yes. there's a really strong chance that you will still feel something. Um, and so I think it's just true. understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although my ex-husband, I think I'd, I'd be fine with. <laughs> Your poor ex. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true that but as more time goes on, it does become more in that neutral place. And that is part of the feeling. So things are more raw in the yeah. beginning. And then that's why like no contact and really just yeah. taking that time is so important. Well, Rachel, this was super fun. Like I could talk to you forever, obviously. Forever. Uh, uh, Forever. I just want to recap all the like juicy tips that you gave the audience today because they're really good. And in terms of, you know, getting over a breakup, there's a lot of things to do, but um, what she pointed out, first thing, be compassionate with yourself. And what that means is giving yourself permission, permission without guilt to take that time that you need and do whatever it is that you need to heal. There is no right thing. It's whatever's right for you. So I always tell people, kind of turn off the noise or the judgment from others. Family and friends love you to death. And sometimes they don't always give the best tips. Um, So recognize what's good for you and have compassion. The second thing is, is to have that awareness and what it is that you need and to get back out there. That is something that I really really, really teach, obviously, um, when I work with people to kind of get their mojo back to feel good about themselves, because that's when really they're going to attract the next person is when you start feeling better, exercise, you know, get involved in activities, go out with your friends. And that kind of bleeds into her third tip, surround yourself with really great people that lift you up, not negative Nellies, not ones who are critical. Um, There are different types of friendships. I always tell people it's not to get rid of friendships, but there may be a renegotiation of friendships during that time. And you got to know who's good for you and who are the ones that you can have coffee with and who are the good wing girls for you to go out and have fun with and take a look at that for yourself so that when you do go out, it is a good experience. And then finally, it's seeing the gifts and allowing yourself to feel each relationship. And I love Rachel that you said this, each relationship does have a gift and there's a lesson that you learned. I always believe there's no bad relationships. There's only ones that you've learned from and you grow from that. And that helps you understand what it is that you need in the next relationship. So Rachel, thank you again. This was awesome. Can you tell everybody? Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, no, this is awesome. Tell everybody how we can find you, anything that you want to share with the audience and what you're up to. 
Uh, my website's Rachel D'Alto, and uh, that's where I'm at on all social media. Instagram's my favorite, so if you want to connect there, that's, uh, that's where I spend the most time. So. <laughs> well, yeah. that's easy enough. Awesome. Check her yeah. out. She is fantastic. Thanks for joining me today. This has been the Charisma Quotient. I am your host, Kim Seltzer. Remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in, and if you want to know more about what I do, you can go to my site, seltzerstyle.com. I have this new quiz and you can find out what archetype you are and what challenges you have when it comes to dating. And stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every single day. <laughs>